This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. It appears the pandemic boom in tech is coming to an end, and we'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, fresh numbers out on the U.S. trade deficit and new claims for jobless assistance. And we're joined by Bob Brusca, the chief economist at Fact and Opinion Economics in New York. So, Bob, let's talk first about those uh, continuing jobless claim numbers and what they're saying about the recovery, and in particular, the job market. Yeah, well, we're making progress again. Uh, there was a nice uh, decline uh, this month uh, compared to last month, and la- I mean, this week compared to last week, and the previous week had a nice decline as well, but we've still seen lower numbers for claims. Uh, this is the lowest number for continuing claims. That's the total number of people rather than the weekly change, and the insured unemployment rate is down to 2.1%. Now, we look at these numbers going into the job report coming out tomorrow, but um, the payroll report that's the headline for job creation in that report it comes from the week uh, end of the 12th. So these statistics we're seeing on jobless claims these last the two weeks really are um, are not relevant for the Friday report. We need to go back to the week end of the, uh, the 12th when um, the jobless claims numbers are still pretty high and continuing claims numbers were still pretty high. Uh, so, um, in terms of better news, maybe we're looking to the month ahead, although now we've got virus issues and perhaps more constraints on activity. And so we'll have to see. I'm not sure that we have good news in train just yet. And the trade deficit, apparently it's uh, pretty high. That, I imagine, is both maybe concerning news, but also good news, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we could say it's big enough to take care of itself, right? Uh, $75.7 billion in the month. Um, exports were slow for the second month second month in a row at 0.2%. Imports, however, put in their second uh, month of gaining over 1%, up 1.8%. A lot of that was uh, petroleum and product imports that are up strongly now that fracking is being disallowed. So, um we do see evidence in imports, and that suggests to me that uh, domestic demand is probably still relatively robust. So, And that's probably largely something to give domestic producers and retailers a sense of hope that uh, the demand is still high. And uh, while they're perhaps looking for workers or whatever it needs, or in some cases supplies to fill demand, uh, at least it's looking that things are optimistic moving forward in terms of customers in demand. So churning up demand, and that means we're going to have job growth and uh, that, that things are still in place there. So, yeah, that's the good news from imports. So the bad news is that it siphons off our income and sends it over, overseas, and that's not good. It reduces what we call the multiplier effect. That's money that isn't going to be respent in the U.S. economy. That's Bob Brusca, the chief economist at Fact and Opinion Economics in New York. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate your insight. 
Coming up, tracking the apparent end of the COVID-led boom in tech. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Governor Pritzker has revealed his latest strategy for fighting the coronavirus in Illinois, and we will be talking about that in our next segment. But as more people return to in-person activities, the reliance on technology is slowing. Let's discuss what that means for tech companies with Jim Welsh, the macro strategist and portfolio manager at Smart Portfolios out of San Diego. You can check out his website at macrotides.com. So... I guess it's one of those things that it probably couldn't last, the whole thing, with this these incredible numbers. I mean, the earnings that just came out for these big tech companies were absolutely stunning. Yes, they were. And, uh, you know, these are all really, really good companies, uh, so they have very bright futures. Uh, what I'm looking at, uh, Jim, is a couple things. Uh, they've been rebounding and in the last few weeks, not only because of earnings, but the perception regarding Delta, the Delta variant. And um, I kind of think that in the next two, three weeks, we're going to see the Delta variant uh, peak out. If you look at Great Britain, we've been following Britain throughout the pandemic. Uh, In Great Britain, it peaked in July 20th, and within a couple of weeks, the cases were down by 40%. So I think something similar could happen here. And so some of the buying in recent weeks because of earnings and because of the Delta variant is why these stocks, I think, have pushed to higher highs. But if I'm right and the Delta variant fades, um, that will remove one prop. And the second issue is what happens with Treasury yields. So let me ask you this about this whole technology thing. Is is it something where even even after what we've seen, they may still have very good numbers, but is it just yep. something where they just can't simply return to what they saw during the pandemic? And, and unfortunately for them, that's just not what investors want to see? Well, that is definitely, you're correct. That is a component of it. The other thing is the game within the game, and that is the relative strength of any given sector to the S&P 500. So what we've seen for a long time is these growth stocks have exhibited really good relative strength to the S&P, meaning that they've done better, outperformed the S&P 500. So another factor that could come into play here, Jim, if the relative strength of these growth stocks starts to weaken so that the outperformance that they've enjoyed starts to fade, and other sectors start to then pick up uh, and do better on a relative basis, you just see a rotation with some people trimming the growth sector positions they have and shifting those funds into more cyclical-orientated sectors. And I think that is what is going to happen in the next handful of months. All right, that's Jim Welsh, the macro strategist and portfolio manager at Smart Portfolios in San Diego. And again, you can check out Jim's stuff at macrotides.com. Up next, Governor Pritzker issues a mask mandate for schools and a COVID vaccine requirement for some state workers. Discussing the news affecting your money, the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Governor Pritzker has revealed the latest strategy for fighting the coronavirus in Illinois, which includes a mask mandate for public schools. And joining us on the McGrath-Lexus business line is Greg Hines, the columnist at Crane's Chicago Business. So what's ahead for the governor in his efforts to uh, get this mask mandate in place? He's already getting quite a bit of pushback, especially from some parents and from Republicans. 
Yeah, he is getting some pushback, Jim, but he appears to have the legal authority to do this. Uh, there's been a variety of court challenges in the past on uh, other kinds of things. But uh, uh, you are right. Uh, there are some folks in life who uh, who don't want to have to be told to do anything. They want It's all going to be voluntarily. Uh, if we don't feel like it, doing it, we're not going to do it. You can't tell us what to do. And uh, they are most definitely objecting to uh, what this governor is doing, even though uh, the case, the number of cases, the hospitalizations are rising quickly, particularly among kids. Um, there's an interesting piece up on I have on my computer screen now on the uh, Miami Herald uh, website. Uh, they are a little ahead of us in terms of the Delta vaccine. And since the end of June, uh, the number of cases in that state of, uh, of, of, of infections among kids under 12 was up 645%. Uh, 645%. There's 135 children in the, in the hospital in Florida with COVID cases. That's not exactly the uh, uh, the tale that's being spun by the opponents of this, that, that, oh, it doesn't affect anybody, and it really doesn't affect kids, and they never get sick, and if they get sick, they don't go to the hospital. 135 kids in the hospital, is that catches my eyes. Greg, what about the political aspect of this? I mean, in in the previous year when the governor was dealing with this, he was dealing with it as the incumbent governor. He's now dealing with it as a as a man who has announced he wants to seek reelection. How how are these latest developments, and how is his dealing with them? What are the political aspects of this? Um. Jim, my suspicion is this will accentuate trends that are already underway. Uh, this governor, for a variety of reasons, is not terribly popular downstate. He's much more popular upstate and in, in, in Chicago and in the uh, in the suburban areas, um, uh, and that has to do with this political standoff. This has gotten deeper and deeper. It's, it's a chasm now between uh, uh, between uh, groups that like former President Trump and people that don't like former President Trump. And it's it's now affecting every aspect of uh, of uh, our politics in our government, including what facts we choose to believe about COVID or to disbelieve. Um, you would think that medical facts are medical facts, and we could all agree on them, but sadly we can't. All right, that's Greg Hines, the columnist from Crane Chicago Business. Still ahead on Technology Thursday, the White House makes its push for more electric cars on the road. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. 
And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Jim Goodis. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Not everyone is backing calls for COVID booster shots in the U.S. This is Bernie Tafoya. Parents of a Northwest Suburban School District passionately sound off against mask wearing. In Technology Thursday, the White House is pushing the pace to get more electric vehicles on American roads. The Summer Olympics in Tokyo are proving to be a ratings bust for NBC. On Wall Street, the Dow is up 187 points, the S&P 500 up 17, and the Nasdaq is ahead by 93 points. Again, AccuWeather says we'll have a mostly sunny but hazy high of 85 this afternoon. Right now at O'Hare, under partly sunny skies, it's 82 degrees. And the noon business hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park at 12.31. COVID vaccine producer Moderna is the latest to say it expects a third dose will be necessary ahead of winter. CBS's Elaine Cobb reports the announcement doesn't come without some controversy. As the Delta variant spreads, people who were vaccinated early on are being advised to get a booster shot. The World Health Organization wants nations with a strong vaccination program to hold off to allow supplies to go to countries who have been waiting for vaccines. France and Germany are the latest to say they will go ahead with their booster program before winter. Elaine Cobb, CBS News. Hours after Governor Pritzker issued his mask mandate for Illinois schools, a suburban board heard from parents with strong feelings about the issue. One after another, parents pleaded and demanded that the Schaumburg Township District 54 school board ignore Governor Pritzker's mask mandate and make mask wearing in schools optional. Parent Mariola Marcinkevich. When you are telling us to wear a a mask and to get vaccinated, you are committing fraud. Another parent was even more passionate about the issue. How come you can have a Lollapalooza and 400,000 people with no mask? And two days later, Pritzker says masks on! Thank you, Isn't that hypocritical? A couple of students spoke about how they don't like wearing masks and argued that masks don't protect from COVID-19. Bernie Tafoya, News Radio, 105.9 FM. A reminder that you can take WBBM wherever you go by using the Odyssey app which now also has hundreds of new exclusive music stations for music fans by music fans, only on the Odyssey app. It's 12.33. Investing 60 minutes each weekday toward planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets are higher, and we're joined by Chuck Carlson, the CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter out of Hammond. So... Chuck, your take on the markets today? Well, we see kind of a continuing theme that we've seen over the last several weeks and, and months even. When you see the market have a pretty significant dip, buyers are, are willing to come in. We saw the Dow Jones Industrial Average down significantly yesterday, and, and buyers came in and are pushing that up. I think the other cross-current that's that's really in, in, in impacting kind of day-to-day trading is this tug-of-war between kind of value and growth. You had value winning for at least the first half of this year. Uh, A lot of the value-oriented stocks, stocks affiliated with kind of the economic reopening, uh, doing well. But that the tide seems to have turned a little bit toward kind of growth stocks. And and I think that's why you've seen 
some of this back and forth trading that we've seen here and in, 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 in again the last month um, you know this which is really going to prevail the the, the value play or the growth play yet today both are doing pretty well although value or although growth stocks uh, are, are doing probably a, a tad better so your thoughts on on the numbers that came out today the jobless claims numbers and the trade deficit uh, how what do those numbers tell you about where we're going well, I, I try not to read too much into a, a single data point, especially when it comes to jobs. But it's certainly, you know, that's another factor that's probably helped uh, the, the market today. Interestingly, you know, the, the market seems to be doing a bit better on days when you have the 10-year bond uh, actually the, the going up, the, the, the yield going up. And uh, we're seeing a little bit of that today. And that can be a reflection of people feeling a little bit better about the economy. Uh, and, you know, that in turn may drive interest rates up. Uh, so I think the data, the data points today point to, uh, you know, okay economy. Uh, but again, that's one data point. I don't get too excited about that. So what does the Dow theory forecast tell you about what investors should be looking at right now, considering right now? Yeah, well, right now, I think that, you know, you've seen some some strength in some of the, the more defensive areas of the market, um, healthcare being one of those. And I think that's, although healthcare stocks have pulled back a little bit today, I think that's still an area that offers some upside opportunity here. That They're kind of a, healthcare kind of walks that, that tightrope between value and growth. And, and if you're somebody that's kind of looking for not necessarily, you know, all value stocks or all growth stocks, and you want something that's kind of down the middle that should receive decent investor support. I would say the healthcare area right now represents a good place to go to. All right, that's Chuck Carlson, the CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter out of Hammond. Chuck, always great to get your perspective. Up next on Technology Thursday, new admissions standards for the automobile industry and a call for more electric cars and trucks on the road. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday. The White House set to release new emissions rules for cars today at an event that will also highlight electric vehicles. And joining us on the McGrath-Lexus business line is John McElroy, the automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv out of Detroit. So... John, I imagine it's great for fans of electric vehicles that the White House is pushing the increasing deployment of them by our major automakers. But I guess one of the other issues is, are they going to be able to meet the targets that the White House is setting? Well, that's a good question, Jim. We're going to have to wait and see how that all works out. Look, uh, clearly this is a stretch goal. It's an ambitious goal on the part of the administration. To have 50% of all new cars by nine, uh, by 2030 uh, be electric, but uh, that's where it's put its stake in the ground. The auto industry is actually quite behind this, but it's looking for support from the federal government. We still need more of a charging infrastructure built out. We may need even some help uh, with some sort of incentives for consumers to to buy these cars. But there's no question that the auto industry is making a big bet on these things, and they're investing heavily to have them ready. Now, how, who's in a better position? I mean, you have companies like Tesla, that that's all they do. And you have the, the major automakers like GM and Ford that are you know, making a big investment in them, and, of course, foreign automakers as well. 
Is there anybody who's really in a particularly good position or someone who might be struggling with trying to uh, enter or expand their presence in the EV market? Well, you know, Tesla's already there. I mean, uh, this doesn't change anything for them unless it gets more incentives. You know, General Motors and Tesla have run out of the uh, the credits, the $7,500 tax credit that uh, the government provides for anybody who buys an electric car. And so right now, GM and Tesla are at a disadvantage. I haven't heard any talk about how those incentives might change, so I don't know where that stands right now. But for the traditional automakers like GM and Ford and, and Stellantis and the others, this helps them. You know, there's a, a global race on right now. Uh, Europe and China are ahead of the United States in that race to go electric. And uh, it's a technology that is actually going to dominate for the rest of the century. And so there's been a, a real concern on the part of the domestic automakers that the United States has got to get into this race and be competitive. So they're all in favor of what the administration is doing. Is it more important for the federal government to get those incentives back in place? Is it more important to get the infrastructure in place so it's not like, okay, where the heck do I charge this thing if I'm not at home? Or is it a combination of the two? Well, it, it's more a, a question of leadership on the part of the United States that says, look, here's the goal, and uh, now we got to work on how we're going to get there. It, it cannot all be by the federal government. I mean, it, 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 that's not how we work in this country. But what the, the federal government can do is provide the roadmap of where we're going to go, how we're going to get there, and provide some, some incentives of uh, how this uh, can all be done. And by the way, the, the incentives don't just have to be money. It, it can be a number of other things as well. John, is there anything that kind of surprises you or uh, gives you a little extra reason for optimism or maybe some concerns about the EV industry right now? Just something that maybe most of us don't know about that's kind of fun or interesting or well, even troubling. Look, here's the troubling thing. Let's focus on that. Right now, China dominates all the raw materials uh, that have to be processed to go into the batteries and electric motors. I, ironically, uh, one of the biggest mines for what they call rare earth minerals is in California. They, uh, they mine more of these things than any other mine on the face of the earth. 100% of what they mine goes to China to get processed and then gets sent back here. That doesn't just have implications for the automotive industry. That has implications from a national defense standpoint. So what the U.S. really needs to do right now is develop its own domestic supply chain for the raw materials. We've got them. We've got almost all of them here. But none of the processing takes has run into the same problem, too, and they're starting to address that. So if you ask me what's the biggest concern, that's it. All right. We could talk much more about this and you can hear much more and read much more about what John has to say about the EV industry and everything automotive at Autoline.tv. That's John McElroy, the automotive industry analyst and host of Autoline.tv out of Detroit. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday and still to come an update on NBC's big investment in the Olympics. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
Overall viewership for NBC's TV coverage of the Summer Olympics is down 45% from the 2016 Games in Rio. And primetime numbers even worse, off 51%. And here to kind of explain all of this is Tom Layson, the media analyst out of Seattle. And he's on Twitter, by the way, at, at Tom Layson. So, Tom, what's going on here? Well, Jim, you you know laid out the headline numbers there, down 45 and 51% respectively. And for the TV side, let's face it, that was a big part of the $12 billion um, NBC paid for the rights to the Olympics from 2014 to 2032. Um, the problem is, though, that the, t- the revenues available on the non-TV platforms don't approach the TV side. Um, you know, NBC is saying Peacock is going to make the Olympics this time around profitable, but get this to give you some insight on those numbers. On the TV side, the networks say they're going to offer some make goods on football to make up for the lower viewership on the on linear television. So with all that said, primetime is still delivering about 13 million viewers. So it's the biggest thing on TV, but when compared to audiences of 30, 40 million in recent Olympics, um, that's where those headlines come from. The world has just changed a great deal. Now, as you mentioned, NBC's locked into this for a while, but what does this say about the future of Olympics and other major sports contracts is it is it getting are they are the networks going to have to take a long hard look at is this really worth it or is it still a loss leader that benefits them in other ways you know that is a great question and and the simple headline there is I don't know but I do think those are the considerations what does that say about the value of of an Olympics package when you go in to bid for that um, it doesn't serve as a loss leader. Does it get you eyeballs in other ways and other platforms help you help you build your streaming surface um, and, and some of those other channels? And I think that's one of the big problems here. You know, we have to remember that cable and TV subs are down about 10 million since 2016. So NBC is chasing literally a fractured audience with a bunch of different platforms. So it's hard to find your thing sometimes when you're searching through Peacock or NBC Sports, the app there or the Golf Channel or YouTube or whatever. It's everywhere, but it's still nowhere, and there's no real feeling of gathering a uni- around a, a unifying event like there might have been in the past. So I do think those are legitimate questions about the value of the package going forward. That's Tom Layson, the media analyst out of Seattle, and you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Layson, and I'm sure he'll have much more to say and much more perspective on what's going on with the numbers, with the watching of the Summer Olympics. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.